What if we could meet a founder right on the cusp of a big pivot and then instantly jump forward in time to see how that pivot ended up playing out years later? Well, in this episode, we're going to do just that. It was three years ago when Claire Coder went in front of our investors, but you've never heard this pitch before. At the time, her startup was a very risky bet. She was just at the beginning stages of her pivot from selling tampon subscriptions on her website to signing big contracts with tech companies. But enough time has passed where her company now is so far beyond what she was pitching to investors. And in the second half of today's show, we'll talk to Claire and find out just how far a business can go in three years. From Gimlet, I'm Josh Muccio, and you're listening to The Pitch. Let's meet the investors. I want to invest in a company where you have a scalable way of acquiring customers, and I can add money to it that'll let you explode that. That's Phil Nadell. He's our legendary, numbers-focused investor. I would love to invest in you. I think you are the real deal. That was Jillian Manis. She cares about the people and the mission behind the company. I think the only way to make money in VC is to take a non-consensus view that turns out to be right. Daniel Galati is a hotshot VC. Well, at least one person said that online. Why didn't you stress the productivity solution, the fact that, that there's billions left literally on the floor of productivity without your product? Oh, right. James Altucher. You may know him as that Bitcoin guy from a few years back. He was only on the show for a few episodes. The pitch for AmpFlow is coming up right after this. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, here we go. Let's travel back in time. It's August 2017. Claire Coder steps into the pitch studio carrying a small box of tampons for the investors. Hey there. Hi. Okay. Hi. Who are you? My name is Claire. I have goodies for you guys. Oh, so. we like goodies, Claire. Yes. Thank you. Thank for your you. Nose bleeds, one hundred percent organic cotton non-applicator tampons, and then of course. What? Wait. What? 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 <laughs> Let me give this back to you. No, 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 nosebleed. Nosebleed. What's what's the name of your company? Yes. So um, my name is Claire Coder, and I'm the founder and CEO of Aunt Flo. Mm -hmm. And myself, I've experienced something that 86% of women have as well. And that's getting my period unexpectedly in public. And there are three options to handle that situation. One is just like 64% of women, they leave work or what they're doing immediately. Of course, for businesses, this is lost work hours. And for women, this is lost opportunities in a really awkward situation. They, le they leave work? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? Okay, I mean, can I, can yeah, I, can totally, I ask? I'm sorry please. to interrupt. Is it really that unexpected or do you always have in your purse when you yeah, know it's around so, that time? Yeah. 
You do. So you just carry around. You hope to. I've definitely been in a situation. I actually started this business because I was at an event called Startup Weekend, and I was locked into a building for 52 hours, and I unexpectedly got at my period. But with a purse. With a purse, but I didn't have tampons with me because I didn't think I was going to have my period. So some people carry tampons all the time. Not everyone. I don't. Yeah, but right. (laughs) I don't. Well, I mean, you could carry it around and, like, support your menstruators in need, yes. But there are a lot of situations where that doesn't happen. Okay. And you're caught without a tampon or you're in a bathroom and you don't have a coin to figure out how to use a coin-operated yes. machine. Yes. And that's a huge problem yes, as well. that's true. So it's a really uncomfortable situation. And so it happens unexpectedly. And that's a huge, huge problem. So you said three things happen. Mm-hmm. One is you leave work you or wherever you work. are. You could leave work. So 64% of women have left work immediately to go to the store to get the products that they need. Uh, okay. How do you get dined out, right? Yeah, yeah. Where's the 64% yeah. coming so from? So we, uh, we partnered with Free the Tampons, which Nancy... Free the Tampons? Free the Tampons, yes. So okay. in 2013, Nancy Kramer, she started this movement called Free the Tampons. She had a TED Talk where she discussed how if toilet paper is offered for free, tampons oh. should be too. And so there's this whole idea where there's a lack of bathroom equality. And for businesses, especially startups in Silicon Valley, they really want to show that they support their women. And offering free tampons is a visible way to demonstrate they support female employees. And so you would sell to those companies? Precisely. So uh, our business model is two parts. So we have a consumer-facing side, and then we also sell to businesses. 70% of our company is selling directly to businesses. We sell these boxes, they offer them in their bathrooms, and then they can refill them with our tampons. And we work primarily with their maintenance department to make sure that they're completely restocked. And that box, which looks like a, you know, um, sort of like a big jewelry box, that just mm-hmm. sits on the in the restroom? Or yep. what is it? So it sits in the restroom and it also can be wall-mounted as well. Got it. And then you just come in and refill the box with tampons every, you know, so often. Well, I don't, but typically the maintenance company does. Why yes. would they buy what the tampons company? from you instead of from, you know, yeah. Walmart or Costco? Yeah. Or- totally. So Aunt Flo is actually the only company that works directly with businesses to supply them with 100% organic cotton tampons. Now, the other options are Tampax. And typically with Tampax, they either order through Amazon or Costco. So Amazon and Costco are our competitors, but for companies like Viacom, who we just met with yesterday, they are not going to order a box of 36 applicator tampons to put in their bathrooms for 53 floors. What's the buying decision for a company like Viacom, whoever's Mm -hmm. doing the buying, to decide on they want to buy it from you versus Costco or Walmart or Amazon? Beforehand. Yeah, so there's a few different options. So Viacom, for example, have already been offering tampons. Yes. But... They just did a huge $130 million renovation on their uh, building in Times Square, and it was all green initiative. So our products are non-applicator tampons, which you can't really buy at Costco. Okay, I'm sorry. What's a non-applicator tampon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you look in your little baggie, um, those are non-applicator. So uh, meaning there's not an applicator piece to insert. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's manually inserted. Okay, and why is that important? Because they're plastic applicators usually. So but but how many women must use an applicator just for whatever reason? Yeah, a lot. But aren't there other non-applicator tampons on the market? Yeah, there's or, right. Yeah. So I mean, what, I'm just wondering, can think, you buy them I from think Amazon? It's bulk. 
So to clarify, there's really one brand that does non-applicator tampons, and that is OB tampons. Yes. Um, they're really, really well known in Europe. They sell 80 or 86% of tampon sales in Europe are non-applicator tampons, while only 6% of purchases for tampons in the United States are non-applicator. Why? That, Why is that? I think one of the reasons is, is because it's more difficult um, that people who have been using tampons actually prefer to have an applicator. So let's be clear. We started out with applicator tampons. You did? Yes. Okay. So in November of 2016, when we launched sales, we launched with our business to consumer side. And that was our buy one, give one subscription box for 100% organic cotton applicator tampons. And that's what you see here. And how'd so, that do? So this is this is still in the market. It's doing really well. Our how much revenue raise, are you generating? Uh, $5,000 a month. Right now, we're transitioning from applicator to non-applicator. So we completely stopped all marketing starting at January. Why? Because when we researched our current customers, we realized that 75% of them actually wanted non-applicators. We started sending them to our customers. Well, and why they, not just offer both? Well, we're really, we, we really want to make sure that people have access to these non-applicators because they're 53% less waste, they're extremely less uh, money to manufacture. And then for businesses, when we sell to businesses, it's really for an emergency situation. They don't want to stock with high quality applicator tampons or people are going to like steal a so whole bunch. How much so, more so expensive are you? Comparable to the other options like uh, Kotex or Playtex. Like more expensive comparable? So we're about 12% more expensive. Got it. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm having trouble understanding the value proposition for mm -hmm. the customer, right? Yeah. So if I'm JP Morgan, I'm this mm -hmm. chief tampon officer, right? You and stop that, Whatever, there you know, chief toilet paper officer, oh the, whoever's doing the buying here. So what the is the value, the value proposition? What, what is she focused more on price? Is she focused on the green aspect, on the convenience mm -hmm. of the delivery? You tell us. Yeah, it must so be the price. it's a little bit different for each company. Um, for Viacom, it was they're already offering free tampons, but they wanted to produce 53% less waste. So that's why they're going so to So for Viacom, it was about the green, going right. green. And for Chase, it's to show that they support female employees. So recently in the news, Wall Street Journal just published how they're actually paying their women employees 15% less. And they really are looking for a way to visibly show that they support women. But, but why through Aunt Flo as mm -hmm. opposed to you know, buying the tampons at, yeah. on Amazon or Costco and giving them away. Why are they going yeah. through you? Yeah, a few different reasons. So, I mean, of course, for the green side, there's that. For the cost side, we're pretty comparable to the other options because our manufacturing is significantly less expensive because we don't have the applicator. And then in addition, what was awesome about our consumer standpoint is we've created this national phenomena where we've been featured in over 50 local and national news pieces ranging from Forbes to Teen Vogue. I was on a TLC TV show talking about the company. And so Chase Bank recognizes they want to align with a very progressive brand. And well, a what's brand an article, what's a sample article about? Like, what do they say about you? Um, so one of the top headlines is 20-year-old drops out of college to talk about menstruation for a living and is changing the world one cycle at a time. You're 20 years old? I try to not mention that because I don't want people to think like that I'm not real or like I'm actually running shit, but <laughs> um, yes, I'm You're 20. killing it. I was trying to think what I was doing when I was 20. It wasn't, it wasn't selling to JP Morgan. <laughs> 
But I yeah. just wanted to I just wanted mm-hmm. to pull back a little bit. Oh, wait, um, but I, I want, think about, uh, I'm just, sorry, Daniel. I want yeah. to answer, answer Phil's question yeah. a little more because yeah. I think yeah. there's some things well, I want to hear. Well, I don't get it still for Chase. They can... They want, I mean, they could buy yeah, OB uh, non applicator tampons in bulk. I'm sure OB, but people aren't them. following OB. OB so is- it's important to chase for them to align with you. That's their the reason they're giving you the business. They want to align with you because you've been published, you've been had some articles about you. But it's a young woman, it's like a bra- yeah, I think it's like- we check a lot of boxes for them. Yeah, young woman or women owned business, small business. A business that is founded by a 20-year-old, a business that has national recognition for what we're doing. Uh, And in addition, we also have a giving factor or a giving piece too. So for every 100 pieces that a business purchases, we donate 10. So that's our social enterprise component. But but Claire, let's say I'm OB, okay, and I'm going in right after you. I'm going to say to them, all of those reasons are total bullshit. The reality is... Your employees are running home or having some problems at work. You're you're losing money because women are not as productive as they could be. And so I'm solving an actual productivity problem that will save J.P. Morgan Chase money. But it's not all about price, right? Is what you're saying. It's you're a saying, brand. but I it's but I feel brand. that's bullshit though. I think the main pitch is is that they're gonna J.P. Morgan's actually gonna save a billion dollars a year on productivity. No, I think no, I, I, I think there's, I think it's an employee perk or something. So where there's, like there's you, a variety of like I was saying, there's a variety of reasons. Yeah, it's um, it's it's, no, but, uh, it's a you, I get what your, I'm saying your is like what, we have like a soap soap in our bathroom, right? And we mm-hmm. could there are 500 other brands at a lower cost, yes. but we make some sort of balanced buying decision that's like you know we're willing to pay a little bit more for a better product to make our employees happier or more productive. And I feel like yes. that would be the pitch that you, mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but that would be the pitch that you would go in with. We're not the lowest cost, mm-hmm. but we're the best value. What the investors are getting at is the fact that Claire's sell for Ant Flow is all about the environment and support for women. But the people she has to convince are facilities managers who typically have different priorities like price. And even if Claire is able to win them over, what's to keep a competitor from swooping in with a similar product at an even better price? So what happens when Aunt Flo 2 comes along? So yeah, just thinking about, yeah, thinking about barriers to entry here. Yeah. So I can go and access one of those three manufacturers. I can get connected uh, to the chief control officer at any of these companies. You may have a one-year contract with these companies, but sales cycles take, you know, three months, six months anyway. And so how do you think about someone coming in and sort of knocking you out of these big big companies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think about that in a few different ways. First, uh, we are pushing for the three to five-year contracts. Uh, so that's one barrier. It's our mission to really grab as much land as possible and be able to really expand our brand so that people recognize us and know us. And that's primarily why we're raising money right now. Quite frankly, we don't necessarily need the money if we want to grow at the rate that we're growing. But we know that it's a situation where we need to get in front of as many people as possible so that they can start purchasing our products and more people know our brand. So I think your I think your barrier is actually share of wallet. So mm-hmm. I think that I'm less interested in just the number of clients that you get. Mm-hmm. And I'm more interested in can you sell more product to JP Morgan or any of these guys right and I think if you could sell them soap and you know toilet paper and whatever else they might need Mm -hmm. I think you then become a core supplier Mm -hmm. and it then becomes harder for them to kind of knock you out 
Can I reel back? How much are you raising and at what value? Yeah, so we're raising $500,000 at a $5 million cap. Here's where I'm at. I think that you should really um, expand the product range as quickly as you can, mm-hmm. sell a suite of really interesting products to you know these companies and really lock yourself in because the other trip up for me was really uh, barriers to entry here. So if you can go out and get these big customers why can't you know the next you know sprightly young awesome entrepreneur do the same thing? And I kind of worry a little bit about that over the mm. long term. So it's not quite there for me as a venture capital opportunity. So I'm going to respectfully pass on the opportunity to invest. Mm. Well, I'd love to come back um, because I do think that we can expand our product line. I would like to say I'm in, um, but I do not like a five million dollar valuation at all. But, uh, what are you thinking valuation wise? I'm thinking valuation two million. How much are you going to put in? Well, I wanted to hear how much if, if anybody else was interested at the two million, and if she was interested at the two million, and then I would say how much I would be interested. For me, in um, I think you're incredible too. Love your energy, love your attitude, um, and again, like what I said before, you're you're really an inspiration, and I think it sounds like you're about to say I'm out. I I'm not totally buying into the value proposition from the, the B2B, on the B2B side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see it as an educational mission, which I'm not on board for. I don't want to be in that business of having to educate all these businesses about why they should, you know, find the ecological solution and why they should, why it's a good idea to give tampons away to women and they're which just is, which is why the productivity solution was the one I was waiting to hear which she did use with JP Morgan Chase I, I think that that's a better way to go but then I'm worried about the competition because a company like Tampax or if they want the eco solution OB can crush her in terms of price so someone who's focused on productivity is going to be price sensitive so I'm sorry to say despite uh, the fact that I think you're wonderful uh, I'm, I'm a pass on it all right that's all right there's a lot of problems with the business model that I have primarily there are two one is that it's 12 percent more expensive the other problem is I think that just offering this non-applicator tampons is a problem because people, women just don't use them as much. So I would prefer you to be able to offer both and whatever the company wants, it's up to them. I'm going to pass, okay? Thank you. You're welcome. We'll change the world one cycle at a time. There we go. There we go. In the pitch, James Altucher said he would go in if Claire dropped her valuation from $5 million down to $2 million. He did eventually convince her, and James said he'd invest $25K in AntFlow. But then, in the months following the pitch, Claire never heard back from James. I'm the queen of follow-up emails, so it's not like I didn't harass, uh, but I didn't hear from him. You never heard from him? Never heard from him, ever, after the show. Um, I felt like I was like high school dating and I got ghosted by an investor. Uh, (laughs) But as I continued through raising my round, I actually realized that that's like a thing that people do, uh, even like grown professionals. So uh, that was just my foray. Like adults? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, adults. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's not super surprising. Um, He did that to every founder he committed to on our show. And he also did it to the show. (laughs) 
Next thing you know, you know, we were touching base, you know, on the commitments he made to founders on our show. And then suddenly he went dark. Recently, I sent another email to James, and he replied this time and acknowledged that he should have gotten back to Claire. But without James's money, how did Claire do? We'll find out how the last three whole years and 2020 went for her after the break. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies to fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. In 2017, Claire was in this big transition. And as her company grew, Claire's skills as a founder grew with it. She ended up raising $1.5 million at the $5 million valuation she wanted too. And one of her biggest investors was Charles Hudson, a regular on our show. He invested $250K in AntFlow in 2018. And that money meant Claire could invest in new products needed to make her pivot successful. For example, Google North America, they said, you know, Claire, non-applicator tampons are only used by 16% of the population. Is there a way that you can make applicator tampons and pads that are entirely biodegradable? I was like, all right, challenge accepted. So Josh, are you familiar with those coin-operated tampon and pad dispensers? No, but I can imagine what they look like. I've seen the uh, male equivalent, the condom. (laughs) It's not not a male equivalent, (laughs) but it's the closest thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Sex is an option. Uh, Menstruation isn't, but we get the point. Uh, And so (laughs) our, uh, we call it our estrogen dispenser. We actually designed our patented tampon and pad dispenser to replace those archaic coin-operated dispensers with our dispenser Mm -hmm. that does vend our 100% organic cotton tampons and pads, applicator tampons and uh, regular day pads with wings. So uh, we have departed from only non-applicator tampons, but just like every business, uh, we've had a product evolution and uh, it was for the better. That's awesome. That's, I mean, that was a huge issue from the pitch. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you think about the fact that like the feedback the investors on our show gave you was almost spot on what you ended up doing? Yeah, I, it's awesome. I wish they would have given me the money to be able to make it happen because we ultimately <laughs> did make it happen. 
There was something else that the investors, particularly Phil, really harped on in her pitch, which was how much of an uphill battle it would be for Claire to educate facilities managers on why making menstruation products available for free was so important. But as it turns out, Claire didn't end up having to do all the work herself. It was the students at UC Davis that brought uh, us up to their administration to rally their administration to believe that this was important, which was really awesome. Um, There's actually a young woman, her name's Annie. She led basically this entire initiative with one of our team members. So they, the students went to the administrators and said, we want Aunt Flo in our school. Yep, that's what happened. And Annie basically was like, and y'all Aunt Flo people, we need all of these products to be biodegradable. And I was like, okay, girlfriend, we got this. Um, and at the time, we didn't have, our, our pads were not entirely biodegradable. And so we spent about six to nine months in product development to make sure that our pads were 100% biodegradable. We had like one component that wasn't. And you, and you had the time to invest in developing that product, that six to nine months, because you had closed that round of funding in late 2018. Yeah, it's crazy to see what we can do in three years when we have additional capital. Like, whereas previously, I was operating off of a scarcity mindset of, I have $25,000, what the hell can I do with that? With a lot more than $25,000 at her disposal, she got out of the scarcity mindset and got her tampons into places like Princeton and Penn State. And over the next few years, they also picked up accounts for state office buildings in Ohio and Iowa, and even big tech companies like Zappos and Google. Then in 2020, she was poised for even more growth with a fresh round of fundraising for $1.2 million. But then COVID-19 hit and people stopped going into the office. Well, In January, we signed a contract with Twitter for all of their offices. (laughs) Which sounds amazing. Super amazing. Like, it was amazing. It is amazing. And then, obviously, they made their grand announcement of, we're remote optional forever. Um, And so our our sales leader that led that deal, like, hardcore face palm, like, hand, hand face moment of, like, damn it. And some of our customers are on a recurring shipment for us. This was like early, mid-March. We made the proactive decision of calling all of our customers and saying, hey, we understand that things are changing. We are happy to pause, adjust, do whatever you need. And 90% of them were like, yep, we'll opt to pause. We took a dramatic hit from, you know, 100% revenue to, I want to say like 10% to 20% of that. So 90% of your business dried up because of COVID? Yeah. People weren't in office. They weren't at school. They weren't reordering. They weren't installing new dispensers into their bougie offices um, that they're not sure if they're ever going to use again. Uh (laughs) You know, it it, it does kind of strike me that I wouldn't have thought that COVID would affect your business. Like, Actually, tampon sales seems like the type of thing that would remain quite steady no matter what was going on with the economy. Yeah, now I wish that I was still in direct-to-consumer. Man, (laughs) messed that up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you made this pivot, and then it made you extremely susceptible to a pandemic. 
And so I guess it's the the age-old question of, are you going to build your business to perform in a pandemic or are you just going to build your business? <laughs> the way you want to build it. So yes, uh, it, it did dramatically impact us. How do you survive on 10% of your sales? Mm. Well, Josh, you pivot. <laughs> so what did you do? Part of our end of the year goal was to roll out our sister company Workflow, which was additional products that facilities managers needed to make their lives better. And part of those product lines were wipes and disinfectant. And basically, we expedited that. Uh, And obviously, because of the situation, we also leveraged our supply chain and the fact that we know how to manufacture FDA-approved products and class two medical devices. We also made masks and we support restaurants and uh, salons and in places like that that are now reopening. And the hard part is, is they don't know where to get masks. Um, we make specific products that are industrial grade, medical grade, that are supportive for what people need in the business environment. How much of your loss in sales, that 90%, have you been able to recover selling some of these other goods to, to workplaces? 100% and then some. Your company has actually grown through this? Definitely grown. Definitely grown. That's, that's amazing. So it sounds like you're no longer a tampon company. <laughs> well, Josh, people still menstruate. They will still go back to school. We do still sell menstrual products. Uh, but I will say we've had our evolution. Um, you know, part of Ant Flow's mission was making sure everyone has access to tampons and pads. Our mission has now grown to say making sure everyone has access to basic quality necessities. Yeah. When I look back to three years ago, Josh, I was still making decisions based on a scarcity mindset. Like I never had in like real money to be able to think about what could our evolution of product look like. I right. knew I wanted to make sure that we had products that were sustainable, um, but I couldn't even imagine. Like now, like, you know, thinking back, like I genuinely couldn't even imagine where we are now with patent pending dispenser, tampons, pads, masks, sanitizers, wipes, like, It is definitely a different perspective of what we can do, what we can achieve, and what impact that we can make on the world. There's not as many caps that I was putting on our trajectory. Well, awesome, Claire. Thank you for finally sharing the story of what happened with Ant Flow (laughs) after the pitch. Think about it this way, Josh. We're both still around three years later, which I think is also very cool. Claire said that they have seven full-time employees now at the Columbus, Ohio-based startup. And then the last few months, Antflow just became profitable for the first time ever. Bye, Claire. Thanks again for for coming on the show. Thanks, Josh. Toodles, noodles. (laughs) Toodles, noodles. Doesn't that make your life better? It's a thing. I'm... (laughs) Toodles. That's all for today's episode, but I do have a quick announcement. On Wednesday, September 30th, we are opening up the phone lines for listeners to call in and ask investors for advice. So mark your calendars, September 30th from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern, the phone lines will be open. 
And this time, investor Elizabeth Yin with Hustle Fund will be on the line, and a new investor will make his debut appearance on the show, Hunter Walk with Homebrew. I've been following him on Twitter for a while, and I'm psyched he's actually going to be on the show. So if you have a question or a problem, and you could use some potentially awesome advice from investors, you should call the Pitch Hotline on Wednesday, September 30th from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. The phone number to call is 833-748-2448. Talk to you then. The Pitch is hosted by me, Josh Muccio, produced by Chris Neary, Heather Rogers, and Max Gibson. We're edited by Sarah Saracen. Original music in today's episode from Emma Munger, Breakmaster Cylinder, Peter Leonard, and The Musemaker. We're mixed by Enoch Kim with help from Sam Baer. Lisa Muccio coordinated the recording of this pitch. Thank you so much for listening. Tell your friends about the show. And we'll be back with a new episode in two weeks. Toodles noodles. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.